and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel, and this is the show where we get to talk about sports, we get to talk about business, we get to talk about everything in between. If you can, please hit subscribe, like, wherever platform you're on, you already know what to do, so just do it. We would really appreciate that today. My incredible guest, I have Mike Principi. He is the CEO of GSE Worldwide, where they are just some of the best in the athlete and talent management space. Mike, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well, doing well. Sweating to the oldies in New York City, man. It's around 90, 95 degrees today. And I think the humidity is about 100%, but just remember this. When it's uh, four degrees and there's a two feet of snow on the ground. How's that sound? That sounds good. That sounds good to me. Anytime. I am the... I hate, hate, hate this weather, but believe me, I would choose this 100 times out of 100 over that foot of snow. I can promise you that. I'm sure you're that kind of guy, too. I appreciate that about you, Mike. And Mike, excited to get to talk about you, what you've done, how you've done, how you've built all these companies, the way you've done it, how you've done it. But most importantly, the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Well, you know, easy answer, it's just fun. I mean, sports is fun. You can go into all this stuff about how it builds competition and, and healthy living and creates teamwork and discipline. Michael, when you boil it all down, for me, it's just fun. I enjoyed playing sports when I was a kid. It didn't matter what it was. You could take anything and turn it into a ball. You know, my brother and I used to roll up socks and throw them at each other uh, and other unmentionables. But it really didn't matter what it, what it was. It was, just, it was just fun. And then, you know, as you get older, you do start to appreciate uh, all the, you know, the other positive attributes that, that sports brings. And, and you may not realize it when you're running laps or, you know, doing your two-a-days. But it's, uh, it's, I think it's just a, a wonderful way to grow, to learn, and to, to really understand yourself as a person at times. I completely agree, right? And yeah, I usually get some you know nice elaborate answers, and I believe them, and I agree with them, right? Community building, discipline, time management. But it boils down to fun, man. I 100% agree with you. That's the thing that I'm most passionate about. That's why I work in the sports industry. That's why I have this podcast, because I love talking about sports. I love watching sports. And it is easily the most fun that I have. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just had incredible interview yesterday with a gentleman who was on the 2004 USC national championship team. One of the best games I've ever watched in my life to the point where I literally rewatch it every single year because it is that much fun to watch, to relive, to enjoy again. Oh. I can't, I can't agree with you more, Mike. It's just fun. It's just fun. And, and you know what? It's one of these spaces where it's okay to fan out. You know, it's okay to be a fan person. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, it's okay. <laughs> Playing with yeah. the light a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to get up and try to do the blinds because Lord knows okay. I'll try to probably break it. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's okay to be a fan of sports. You know, everyone's okay with that. It's, it's just cool. And when did you decide and when did you realize maybe that, hey, I have a, I obviously have a lot of fun in sports, like everybody else on planet Earth, right? You're not unique. We're not unique in that one. But deciding to work in sports is a whole nother level, right? It's a, it's not a nine to five in most situations. It's a, I mean, your cell phone, I'm sure has rang at hours in the morning where you would prefer it not, right? So at what point did you realize, and maybe you were kind of just too naive and too young to care at the point, right? And you just got really damn good at what you do now, but. When did you decide, hey, I kind of want to work in this thing and, and, and see, see what that side of the industry looks like? Well, look, by, by training, I'm a lawyer. So I, after college, I, I stayed in St. Louis. I went to undergrad in St. Louis. 
stayed there uh, for, for law school. And I knew I always wanted to be a businessman. Uh, I wanted to go to law school to understand how to think about a contract. Since I figured everything revolved around a contract, you could understand numbers. But, you know, how do I how do I understand how the world works? And I thought that was based in a contract. So I, I always went to, to school with the understanding that I didn't want to be a lawyer for the rest of my life, but I wanted to understand how to think about the world, maybe like a businessman, which and I had no idea what a businessman was when you're, you know, I still don't that I'm 51. But, it sounds know. really good though, right? It, it sounds good. It sounds good, right? So, I, uh, I started work when I was out of law school. I started working uh, for a private investment company as a, a young M&A mergers and acquisitions transactions guy. And really, they were you know growing really, really quickly. They were buying businesses left and right. And they needed a young person that they could pay next to nothing and work like a horse, you know, and... I was that guy that said, okay, you know, I did some research on this group. They uh, had a media and entertainment focus, which I thought was interesting. It wasn't sports, but, you know, it was more interesting than the average bear. Um, so I, I took a shot with these folks and, and actually took a very low, I mean, a very low salary to try to prove myself and we can talk about later. And when I first started working for them, I was buying and selling radio stations, which was okay. But, you know, I got to meet some DJs, which was always fun. Cousin Brucey, for some of the older members of your audience. Yeah, oh, Cousin Brucey Nothing, was an sorry. old. He was an oldies guy in WCBSFM. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and after we, we disposed of all the radio stations, uh, my chairman, this gentleman, Robert Silverman, started buying live entertainment assets and he started buying concert promoters and theatrical producers and anything live entertainment, family entertainment, Disney on ice, Barney on ice, those kind of things. And then he had in his mind to start adding sports assets, thinking it's all live entertainment. And he looked around and he saw this this 28-year-old kid who didn't have much experience but was very eager and said, look, Mike, you're going to do the M&A for the sports piece. And I, I think his, his understanding was, look, it's going to be the smallest part of the business, so I'll give it to the kid. If he screws it up, it won't be good, but it won't be an abject disaster, right? We'll still focus on everything else. And, uh, you know, I... Maybe because I like sports to begin with, I was drawn to it. I wanted to do a bit more than maybe I was tasked with doing. And as soon as I started getting my, my, my teeth into it, just just doing due diligence, reviewing player contracts, uh, that's when I started thinking, wow, this is pretty interesting. I can, I can get, you know, I got pretty fortunate that I had this job. I can get into this, this, this long term. And that was 20, almost 25 years ago. And here you are. You finally made it. You're on the podcast, Mike. So kudos and congratulations to you, right? For the love of sports, Mike. I've been years. You finally did it, man. Congratulations. Kudos to you. And, and I also want to say thank you for the Yogi Bear reference. I think that might have kind of went under people, but uh, I got you. Thank you. Thank That's what you. I'm here for. Uh, so I think it's it's really interesting, right? Because, like, you know, I look up a lot of the stuff online and it's all about all oh, this 
this business that he built in athlete management and representation, and this business he built in athlete and rep management representation. You're a lawyer by trade, as you said, so you can understand these contracts. You know what you're looking at, but you're not actually an agent. And I hope that didn't come out as, as some kind of negative. You're, you're more the guy that, I don't want to say pulls the strings in the background, but you seem like the most important of all the people, right? You're the CEO of these companies. You're bringing them together. When did you, and I guess, why did you, you know, as, as you were talking about, you know, you're, you're putting together all these live sports assets, what clicked in your brain that said assets are cool, but why don't we get the players? Why don't we put the players together? And the easiest way to do that is to buy up all these agencies and to put them together. Where did that click? Cause I'm sure there was other routes in that avenues you were looking at right there 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 was and there still is uh okay. and what it comes down to for for me uh was content you know it's 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 always been about content and 25 and, years ago you were thinking of content man you you were well ahead of your time i'll give you that well look i had some really really smart people uh that were you know my bosses shrieking at me constantly because i was screwing up one thing or, or another uh you know really smart people who saw this and you know understood content and understood um you know public just 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 not 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 public opinion but public interest and in um and how something live is also a very tangible, visceral driver. Um, so that you know, that's that was something that you know we identified a long time ago. And then for for my part, uh, you know, I didn't want to recreate the wheel, uh, the, literally standing on the shoulders of giants. But let's let's see if we can't build on what's been done before and. Uh, I, I will say that you know these businesses are are built on on the agents and the people that really do represent uh, our our clients. You know, my my job, the way I look at this, is to create vision, to create direction, and then to provide resources for these really smart people, these very hungry people, these men and women who take this awesome responsibility. I mean, this is like, people think, oh, it's an agent, it's a joke. It is an awesome responsibility to manage a person's, you know, career. And sometimes these, these people are 16, 17 years old, and you're talking about amateurs all the way up. And once they turn, you know, pros, you're, you're talking about multi-generational wealth. And it's, a, it's an awesome responsibility for these folks. I, you know, uh, being an agent is, it's an amazing, it's an amazing job. It's something I could never do. Uh, and I'm just fortunate to be around all these fantastic people who are really good at it. And, and how do you lead that group of people? Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important thing too, because usually you know, nine times out of 10, let's say it's, it's an agent. He gets really mm -hmm. damn good at his job. He gets a couple agents underneath him. He goes to the top and then he has a whole business and you can kind of look to him for support. Not that you can't look to you for support. You've done enough business dealings, I'm sure. But do you know what I mean? I've kind of like, like all these agents want to look up to the big wig agent, but it's, it's not just you at the top, but it's this, like, this guy who's kind of never done their job and can't quite totally feel out what they're doing. So how do you lead that group of people to, again, what the, you know, the mission and, and, and what you guys are trying to accomplish? Well, you've got to, my, my first thing is you always have to create a vision. 
and you have to have a strategy. People want to know what the deal is. They want to know, hey, is, is this ship being run by, by a captain? Is there a vision? Is there a strategy? Is there a course? Okay, then let's make sure everybody understands what the vision is, what their role is in getting there, mine included. Uh, and then are we going to have the resources and tools to, to get there? So first thing is just really creating the, the vision uh, and getting people to buy it. The, the second thing, which is super important, is creating a value proposition in favor of the agents. Um, we like to, to call it arrows and quivers. Right? We, we want to put arrows in our agents' quivers. We want to give them as many tools as possible to be the best recruiters, the best retainers, the best negotiators, the best servicers, the best signers, the best working with the moms and dads and families, you know, being the best marketers, it doesn't matter. So I have to create, a company has to create an environment where the agents can survive and not just survive, but succeed. I think that's, yeah. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's a, we get those two two things right, the right vision, and then we give them the right tools. Everyone knows what they're supposed to do, and they know that the resource is there. Then, then we're off to the races. The, the, the third piece, which is critical, is creating a culture. Yeah, if you have too many Jerry Maguires, all little Jerry Maguire land, you know, all saying, show me the money, but not talking to anyone else, like, like meerkats popping up and down, you're going you're gonna to run into trouble. So just because this is a very competitive space, you know, doesn't mean you still can't be a family. And I, this is a, a term that, that we use, which has, you know, only, I, I don't think it, it one one millionth of, you know, will even scratch the surface of what, you know, real folks who have gone through this thought. But we, we like to, you know, create a, an atmosphere of being foxhole ways. And, you know, we, fortunately, I haven't experienced, you know, the, the horrors of war, but the, the concept of being in, 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 in a hole with somebody and knowing that if I'm looking forward and someone's back is against my back, I don't have to worry about anything. My body's got me covered. And that is a huge piece of our culture is creating this, this, this foxhole buddy culture. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to trust you that you're going to do your job. You're going to trust me that I'm going to do my job. And if I need your help, you know, you're there for me regardless. And if you need my help, I'm going to be there for you regardless, whether it's, you know, the person sitting at the top of the hill or somebody that's, you know, delivering mail to the offices. Everybody's in the same boat together. Everybody has a part to play in this. So it's, it's critical for us to do that. And I think a, a funny thing about culture, right, is the best cultures are winning cultures. Yeah. Right? You don't create – like, there's no team that's a losing team. Like, the Browns never had a culture. And now they can kind of say that they, since they started to win, Baker's yeah. created a culture, blah, 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 that kind of thing. So I guess what is it – how do you – you know, you could say all these things. You could do all these things, and that's great. But how do you actually create those wins? How do you actually get – those agents the best opportunities in the market get them the best opportunities in front of parents become the best signers and and deal creators how do you actually do that part of it and again don't give us all the special sauce where's the fun in that but 
what do you actually do to, to, to give them that content and that those quivers, as you put it? Sure. It's, it's, it's two things. One, get, get the right people. Uh, you know, everybody, everybody says, oh, I always bring people smarter than me around. You know, like, I want to That's an easy one. Boss. Okay, right. But, you know, there's something to it. It's a cliche is a cliche for a reason. So, you know, one, do get super smart people around who have done this before or if they haven't done this before, you know, you know, project all the right attributes. The second thing is have the right resources uh, and make sure you're resource rich. And we're fortunate that our parent company, uh, Gateboard Capital Management, which is the chairman and founder, a gentleman named Liad Nadar, uh, one not only has the vision uh, to see what, what we see in the, the reach and depth of sports, but also has, has backed that up with providing resources and has allowed us to go out there and hire the absolute best or invest in the company, whether it's people or technology or, or resources. You know, if, if we're trying to accomplish something that may be out of budget uh, and we call Liad, or if I Liad, I call the Gatemore folks, we'll, we'll talk it through and they're always there for us. And that's part of that culture. We know they're there for, for us. Our guys and gals know that I'm there for them. And it's, it's just a fully functioning, uh, you know, I guess, eco ecosystem that we have. And it sounds like it's working really well. Again, speaking with Mike Principi, I hope I said that correctly. I usually butcher the last names after the first time around anyway. So I hope that one worked out. Uh, CEO of GSE Worldwide. And, and I guess, Mike, I'm kind of curious. So, you know, from an agent's perspective, you're going to you're going to want to look at an athlete and say like why is this athlete right for me why why am i right for this athlete so i guess from your perspective it's completely different but still kind of similar like what is it about a particular agency that you look at that says i like the people there i like the athletes they have under contract i like the way they do their marketing it's unique what are you looking at that says, okay, I want to go out, I want to merge with or acquire this company, bring them into the fold, and then continue to lead them because I think we can do better than what they're currently doing. First step is the people. Um, you know, can you, one, do, do you respect the, the people in the, in the agency who have, who have built it and who, who work there? Um, do you like them? Uh, you know, I don't, I feel like you can't like every agent out there. That seems like a little far of a stretch, right? There's a like and, and, and respect. And, and, and by the way, there should always be a, a two-drink rule. You know, you oh, don't have to, to sit with someone all night, but, but you should be able to, to have two drinks with somebody. And it could be a non-alcoholic beverage for that. But you should be able to have two drinks with someone and leave the table feeling, you know what, we can do business together. So that's, that's kind of how I, I look at that. But you know, a big piece also is look at the client roster. And sometimes look at the – and it's not necessarily the, oh, this is an amazing client roster. They have all these all pros or all these all-stars or, <laughs> or legends or Hall of Famers. It's, a lot of times it's, you know, how long have the clients been with this agency? What do they say about the, the agency and the people? who work there and you get a real sense of, 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 of the quality of a, of a group of people uh, a lot by the people that they represent. 
Yeah, I think it's, uh, I mean, it usually comes down, I'm a, a big Gary Vee fan, right? And he always talks about, you know, betting on people. People, mm-hmm. everybody's got a million dollar idea, right? Like We could probably come up with a hundred right here in the next 15 minutes, but it's the people and it's the opportunity and the ability to execute their network, what they're doing is, are they just talking or are they actually doing stuff behind right. the scenes too, which I think is really important. And I think it's just really interesting. I guess what was, um, like, what was your, like, what was your first, like, oh, I th- I think I'm good at this. Like, when was that moment to be like, oh, I can actually, all right, I put this guy and, and I grabbed these guys over here and this little team here is kind of cool. We're doing some good stuff. Yeah. Your life is punctuated by little moments, which you may realize at the time or not realize at the time. Uh, when I first started, one of the one of the, the moments where I realized, yeah, I can, I can do this and pretty good at this. I, you know, I was, it was my first deal I ever did. And it was during the summer, and this was 1998, so cell phones weren't really that great. Okay, Only a couple years ago. You're good. Couple, no just a couple. And all my bosses were going away for the summer. One guy had a house in the Berkshires. Another guy had a house in the Hamptons. And All right, Mike, we've got to get this deal done. You know, by August 15th, we're not going to be around. Cell service is not so great. Finish it up. Wait, they had cell phones in 1998? Well, they were very wealthy. So, I you know, they, they had oh, that's true. In a suitcase. But yes, they did. Oh, the bag phone. Oh, my gosh. My parents had one of those. Those things are hilarious. Um, oh, goodness. And, and look, I, I got to tell you, I was a, you know, I was a little nervous. Uh, so my, my boss, uh, I asked him before he left if he has any words of wisdom for me, you know, any any pieces of advice he can, he can give me as I close this deal. And I was expecting some very practical things. Hey, if they say this, you do this, or think about things this way. And his advice to me at the time was, yeah, Michael, you're going to screw up. Just don't really screw up and know the difference. So, Michael, I got to tell you, I left his office very upset. Like, just very upset. What the heck does that mean? That's the worst advice I ever heard. It's not practical at all. So I went home that night. Uh, once I finally calmed down, and, you know, lying in bed and just turning this over and over. Around 2.33 o'clock in the morning, I realized what he was saying. And he was saying to me, is it okay to make a mistake? Take a risk. It's okay to take risks. You're not going to get everything right. You're going to make mistakes, fine. But don't really make a mistake and know the difference. What he was saying is, it's okay to take risks if you think through the issue beforehand. Because if you think through the issue beforehand and go through your decision-making tree, if I do this, this could happen, or this could happen. If I do this, this could happen, or this could happen. If I say this, this could happen. If you think it through, you'll see where the landmines are, where the booby traps are. Hey, man, if I really think this through, that would be a bad result. So once I actually turn that over and realize, okay, yeah, well, he's telling me, it's okay, take a risk, think through it beforehand, and just go. It just, at that time, Michael, it just clicked for me. And I went from being, you know, a younger person who was scared of making mistakes and just wanted to be perfect and didn't want to, upset the boss because I didn't know what I was doing. I was way over my head. Once that clicked, I I got this. You you know, if it gave me a blueprint going forward, um, and that really, really helped 
as, as, as a gateway for me in, in you know, the, the next stuff that I, that I did, uh, which was starting to do all these deals. So I closed that one. I was good at it. We closed it. They gave me more responsibility. I took more responsibility. And then to lead into your question, because I'm getting there, I'm going to land the plane for you, Michael. I'll get there eventually. You're doing great. All right. Great. All right. Is after, and this is also when I was pretty young, I and mean, I was maybe 29 or 30 or so, we would buy all these businesses, uh, but then we would go on to the next deal. And I was getting frustrated. I had to spend three, four, six, nine, 12 months working with a company, understanding the business, doing the due diligence, negotiating with everybody. And then I was tasked with going on to the next deal. Well, I just, we just bought this company. We've got four other businesses. Someone's got to integrate these things. You know, we've got to start putting them together. So, you know, again, uh, I probably did more than I should have or was expected to do. And started operating these things weirdly and integrating them. I had no responsibility to do so. I wasn't tasked with doing so. Uh, but seeing all these businesses that had so much potential just sitting in their own lanes and not you know, tying, tying the strings together just, just got me. And once I started take, you know, finishing a business, then plugging it into this company that we just bought or talking to our marketing folks. You know, I was just thinking about this, guys. You should really talk to these gals over here. And that was another thing where I'm like, oh, boy, okay, I'm starting to get this as well. I'm starting to, to see, yeah, I can do this. I can buy the business. But now I'm starting to see how the pieces, you know, work together. And then in two flash forward, <clears throat> we sold that business to – to Clear Channel in 2000, I started getting some real uh, operational responsibility. Uh, and then in 2006, we negotiated a management buyout of certain of the sports assets out of SFX <laughs> Clear Channel, which was eventually named Live Nation. Uh, and we created uh, a new agency uh, for another private investment company named Blue Equity that we named the agency Best, Blue Entertainment Sports Television. And, you know, after doing a fairly complicated transaction, you know, management buyout is never easy, especially when you're dealing with three different agencies that you're pulling out of one entity that worth $25 billion. So we weren't necessarily the first piece on their radar screen, but bringing it into another business, uh, was was a tricky uh, a tricky deal, and it was something that uh, you know my training wheels were officially off at that point. Uh, so you know, Michael was another one of those gating moments. Where like, yeah, okay, you know, I I'm, I'm getting this. I got this. This is I'm going to make mistakes, but I I'm, tra I'm I'm traveling in the right direction at this point. And I think it's it's really important to understand, as you said, you know, there's a couple of different time frames you threw in there, three, six, nine, twelve months for some of these things. Obviously, the MA side of things does not move quickly. It does not move quickly at all. I've actually so I work for William Hill Sportsbook, which is now Caesar's Sportsbook, which I'm sure you're very well aware, went through an MA recently. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Still kind of going through it, honestly, just from the operational side, just figuring out what everyone's day to day is. Who do I talk to now? Where do I ask this question? So all that stuff does take a really long time. 
and I'm literally all the way on the bottom of the food chain. So people don't really, I mean, they care about me, of course, great company to work for, but they don't really care about me. If I have a dumb question, just figure it out somewhere else, guys. So it's uh, it's been a lot of fun and, and it takes a long time. And I guess I'm kind of curious, especially from like the, the agency side of things. You brought up Jerry Maguire before, relatively cutthroat. Right. There's so many people that after I actually did a little research again for the book, Winning in Sports Business, it's free. Check out the show notes. You can get it for free. It's fine. With with that particularly, there's so much backstabbing. There's so many people that are just looking to climb over dead bodies to get to the top and their sweet suits and their slick back hair. Right. I'm sure you've met a lot of agents that are like that. I'm sure you've had a couple drinks with them and decided, man, this is not the person for me. How do you integrate that type of business where it's even within the agency, we might be competing for the same guy because we want to get that signing contract and we want to get that bonus. Like, how do you integrate that kind of stuff when not mortal enemies? That's a little dramatic, right? But like, how do you get them all on the same team and say, like, no, now we're all working together, guys? Come on. Well, look, those are some of the lessons. I and mean, when I when we first started doing this, uh, you know, my boss had us literally acquire everything in the world. You know, at one point we had three different baseball agencies and two different basketball agencies and a, a figure skating agency who would have thunk, but there was a figure skating agency. Um, <clears throat> and it was more at the time about acquiring EBITDA or earnings, was, you know, acquiring profit um, and less about integration. It was a classic, let's buy it at one price and sell at a much higher price. Okay. Uh, it happened to work uh, at the time, but it's it's really something that we look at now is we're going to bring groups together. They have got to like each other. You know, you're, I'm not. We're not going to stick mortal enemies uh, in the same in the same house together. Take it one step further. Then the key is, you know, do, again, do you have the right people uh, around you? So the the president of our agency is a gentleman named Andrew Whitley. Andrew has been, you know, he started as a golf agent uh, about 25 years ago, and he started representing Jim Furyk when Jim was just starting. 25 years later, uh, Andrew now runs our, you know, literally, the, the, he's, he runs the agency as the president of all the agents. Um, he's really good at what he does. He's good at bringing people together. He has run, you know, his, his, his agency. We acquired his agency in 2011, uh, which had five principals and, you know, about five or 10 other people there. He's always run a, a golf group. And now with the responsibility of, you know, having tennis report into him and talent marketing report into him and have all these great golf agents report into him. <coughs> Excuse me. It's not easy, but having the right people in the right places is critical. And Andrew is just one of those people who just, he gets it. He's, when you say, oh, yeah, you know, this guy's never done it before. Andrew's done it before. You know, it's surrounding yourself with people better than you. Um, he's, he's one of the best. I love that. And I think as you said, like, yeah, it's a cliche for a reason, right? Like, you, you know, you know, the people and what they've done and why they've done it. If that guy got to represent Jim Furyk back in the day, he, uh, for, for some of our younger listeners, uh, Jim Furyk was the man back in the day. I mean, he still, he didn't just win like only a couple, like, like a couple months ago, I think he won something pretty cool, which was, you know, shout out to him for doing what he does. And I think, um, on that front on understanding, you know, who, 
to send somebody to talk to you, right? Maybe you don't have the answer, but the most important thing is being honest, saying I don't have the answer, and either saying go talk to this guy or let me get you that answer, right? That's a really easy one. That's that's really yep. That's it's okay to say I don't have the answer. You know, I, I think it's better to to say I don't have the answer. You don't like a you know a, a you don't jerk. bullshit the answer. Exactly. Thank you. Exactly. You know, I'll, I'll tell you one other thing when you were asking about the, you know, how do you keep all these, these guys and gals to, together? Um, you know, a lot of it is trying to be very creative, right? So you create the vision. Okay. You have the resources. Okay. But then can you execute, you know, are you good at what you do? <clears throat> can you be creative in, in what you, in, in, in the world that you're in? Like, what's your difference? And some things that, that we've done, which are pretty cool, um, is like some of the deals that we've done are, are, are pretty interesting. So we represent a female golfer named Lexi. Lexi, we have a deal with her in, in Goldman Sachs. You don't see Goldman on too many bands. Um, uh, Bentley, high-end, super high-end ultra luxe. Bryson DeChambeau is one of the sponsors, as is, as is Lexi again. So like we creating unique deals for folks is very interesting. Getting out in front of things, I think, adds a lot of value. So the, the NFT world, which was you know the hottest thing since uh, – sliced bread uh recently you are just digging in that bag of references man i love this you know i don't know if it's good or bad i'm kind of making myself a little i love it no no no. keep doing your thing man you're great keep doing Uh, it i hope you have a couple more we only have a few minutes left so i hope you got a couple more in you no no worries well we we were the after after gronk and and Mahomes did their thing we were the first group to come out there uh and do an nft for a golfer we we had dechambeau we had bryson dechambeau's nft the first worldwide global sport nft out there then we, we did the first NFT for an NCAA guy, Luca Garza, uh, NCAA Naismith Player of the Year. So being able to do really neat things like that and get cutting edge and get creative deals is so helpful when you're, you know, when, when, when you're trying to create that culture and you know, bring deals together. And something specific about the NFT thing, right? It's, I think, actually... Today or yesterday, DraftKings just re- released their NFT uh, marketplace, which actually is a partnership with Autograph, which is a Tom Brady company. They released a bunch of stuff today. A buddy of mine bought a bunch of it. It's already worth like, I don't know, 10, 15 times what it was. A little bit of a bubbly market, but we don't have to get into that aspect of it. I guess uh, from from your perspective, when someone, I feel like that's a huge thing. And I remember when Bryson did his, because as you said, it was essentially the third one. It was mm-hmm. Mahomes, it was Gronk, Gronk. It was, everyone laughed, it was hilarious how huh? it's Gronk, and then Mahomes did it. It's like, yeah. that's kind of cool, best football player on planet Earth, mm-hmm. debatably, is, is doing his thing. And then you see Bryson DeChambeau, which was really interesting, right? He's a very well-known character, right? You either, he's a love him or hate him kind of guy, he's, he's all over Barstool, he's all over DraftKings, he does a lot of different stuff, he's doing a lot of cool things. Who, who even comes to you with that? Is that something that he has the idea? Is that something his agent has the idea? Is there someone just in a different part of the, the, the company that's like just thinking of cool shit to do? And they're like, this would actually be kind of fun. Like, how does a deal like that even come together? And and where do you sit on in that table, on that board to say like yes or no to something that unique and different? Uh, 
that actually comes from company culture. Uh, that was literally a group decision. You know, we were having, we saw NFTs coming out there and we went back and forth as a group. We have a management committee, which includes the Gatemore folks and, and Liad as well, where, okay, how do we attack the NFT market? And everybody had, had input in, in how it came about. Now, having a, a client like Bryson, who's just, you know, an amazing human being, he's just a really, you know, He's a good person, a very obviously a very interesting person, but thinks about the world a little differently. So going to someone like Bryson, who might have been predisposed to taking chances and breaking the mold a little bit, wasn't that much of a stretch. We didn't have to do a ton of convincing. In fact, I think he might have been fairly pleased. Oh yeah, these guys are uh, are doing some 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 cool stuff now. He already had his whole crypto wallet set up, so it wasn't like we had to. Uh -huh. you know, he was all. He was so far ahead of us on that side, but uh, that was a company culture. We we had literally a a, a management committee meeting specifically on NFT. That is really interesting. And Luca Garza, too. That dude, I mean, obviously, he was incredible this past year at Iowa, did his thing. Uh, I expect some good things. Uh, take a little while, but I'm sure he'll he'll get his jump start in the NBA and do his thing there, too. I think that'll be really cool. He's got too much uh, too much grit. He's too he's too fierce. He uh, He's not going to go away easy, which I'm really excited because I think his career was just absolutely incredible. So shout out to him and shout out to you guys, too, for that one, which I think is really cool. And I guess one thing I do want to hop into a little bit. So your career path, obviously, we've we've gone over it select few people are going to go the route that you went and, and try and figure out what you've done, but you've had a hand in and have spoken with so many agents along the way. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, you know, at this point after those two beers, if some 22 yeah. year old kid has it or doesn't, or at least has the fire in him or her mm -hmm. to do it or not. Right. Or, you, you know, the, the 35 year old guy that's still doing it, ah, you can, you're going to break through eventually. What have you seen and what, what sets these really great agents apart from just the run-of-the-mill guy that just got into it because he saw the flashy suits, wants to work with athletes, wants to make a quick dollar on these athletes. What is something that sets these people apart? Because as I told you before, we always like to get into how to break into sports here on yep. this show. And again, your path is a little different, but I think you can lend some some knowledge to these other ones that are a little more traditional, I guess. Yeah, okay. Well, it's just, these are some of the, the attributes and characteristics. You got to work hard. Now, one of the last things that I, I, I like hearing from people, especially young kids, are I'm going to work so hard. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'll, I'll never stop working. Right, well, great. Okay. Well, great. You, you checked the first box, man. You're killing it. Okay. So you're not going to be lazy. Well done. You know, uh, look, you've got to have a great work ethic. Um, you have to have a strong personality. Your ego needs to be strong enough that you don't have an ego. That's if deep. that makes any sense. Kind of. I see so, where you're going from, yeah. Right? I mean, if you're going to be representing people, you're going to have to pick up the phone at 2 o'clock in the morning. You may have to, you know, your time may not be your own. Uh, you've got to put yourself aside for the benefit of someone else, and you have to be confident enough in yourself that you can handle that. Okay, so that's a big thing. One of the biggest traits I've seen across the board is invest in yourself. Please invest in yourself. Being a super good agent isn't just staying up all night and partying and recruiting and being everybody's friend. 
man, you can only do that for so long. The best agents are the ones that, you know, eat, like if you're in a team sport, they know the CBA backwards and forwards. You know, if they're a football agent, man, I know every trick in the trade of the cap. You know, if they're an NBA guy, okay, I know this exemption, that exemption. You don't leave it to the money ball gal in the back office or the capologist, you know, I'll, I'll let her figure it out. She's so much smarter than me. We'll bring her to the meeting. The best agents are the ones that invest in themselves, that they're able to sit at the table by themselves. Always bring experts around you. Always bring stuff. But the best ones are the ones that that have that are able to stand on their own two feet as well. You see a lot of really good agents that are amazing recruiters and just understand how to communicate with clients. But far too often they, they, they tap themselves, they give themselves a ceiling because they need someone else to help them negotiate that deal or, you know, lead the arbitration. Uh, I, I, honestly, Michael, uh, investing in yourself is a huge, huge attribute. And one thing that I've heard through the grapevine, right, is is how do you even get that first athlete? Yeah. And, and how do you know if it's even worth your time, right? Like you might find this kid and he's just like, sure, I'll work with you. And it's like, oh, that's perfect. But maybe that actually kind of sucks a little bit because he was right. so willing to work with you. And there's a reason why he's willing to work with you. So I guess, do you have any light to shed on that aspect of it? Because, of course, you have to do a lot of work. Your athlete has to do a lot of work. As we said before, there kind of has to be a hand-in-hand marriage with that thing. I'm sure you've seen a couple couple agents stray from that path as well. <sighs> well when you're, <laughs> that's a toughie, right? Well, all right, let's go. That's a toughie, right? when, when you're young, experience is key. So you're going to experience two ways. One, you're going to you know sit on someone's hip and really force them into mentoring you. And you know it's the rare duck that has a mentor in the truest sense of the world that is just generous with their time and their knowledge. It's, from my experience, it's the exception, unfortunately. And we do try to create mentorship programs. In fact, Michael, as a quick little aside, we've actually, to address that, we've created something in GSC called the Agent Training Program. Oh. Yeah. So it's actually really interesting. And this is to, to, to that point. When we have young people that, that join our, our ranks in entry level position, uh, we literally put them in a two-year rotational training program around the company. Unfortunately for them, they may spend two weeks in finance or you know four weeks in social media or six months in sales or three months in tennis to literally force the mentorship onto them and not just giving them exposure to the whole company, but we hold the managers uh, you know, responsible and accountable for training the, the young people as as well. So, in that front, I, I think it's a it's it's an amazing concept that we we started. And again, thank you, Liad Madar and Gateway Capital Management for giving us the discipline to realize, hey, let's invest in ourselves. Um, but it forces that mentorship, so you can get experience from mentorship. Or you sometimes just have to take that risk and you need to get a couple clients under your belt and, you know, learn the ropes with them. The trick is, when is that becoming an unproductive? Uh, mm-hmm. When are you not moving on from that, you know, from that relationship? When are you stuck in that, you know, that 
rookie ball league and not going after the you know the 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 next hire um, you know type of client. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I could see that being a, a sticking point, right? People people like to be nice to other people, and it's, oh, he's my first client, oh, he's my second client. Like we've been through so much together. It's like, but you have to do what's good for you at sometimes too, and it doesn't mean you can't help this guy or girl. But at the same time, you have to understand what is best for you. And Mike, this has been absolutely fantastic. Um, I sincerely appreciate it. I know we you you, you got to get going. I got to get going. We got stuff to do. I just have one last question. Sure. This is more of an ask, I guess. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna be. Super famous. I mean, I already got you on the show, right? That was easy. I mean, shoot. If, 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 if this is the best person I've had on the show is this hard, I mean, geez, I'm going to be incredible. So if you could have one of have one of your intern agents, just reach out to me. Get me on the books early. Get that going because I promise you it's going to be very much well worth your time at some point or another. How's that sound? And that's A-S-I-L-E. Is that? You got it. Okay, yeah. Got no it. Brazil. Yep. Uh, I'll give you all my information. Marlon actually has it. Shout out Marlon, by the way. Uh, he has all my information, so don't worry. You need anything, just ask him. I appreciate it. But no, in all sincerity, Mike, this has been absolutely fantastic. Mike Principi, uh, do you want to? Do you have any social medias? We can go follow what you're doing. You want to shout out a little bit about GSE where we can go find some information so people can check it out a little bit? Yeah, GSE Worldwide is on Instagram, so check us out there. You know, We have a website as well, as everybody does, but Instagram is is, is really our, our first um, our our first gateway to, to the public. We're running an, an event, uh, the Hampton Summer Classic, uh, in a week and a half. It's the world's most exclusive tennis pro-am. It's uh, a weekend of, of really, really fun tennis and, and partying, which we're doing out in the Hamptons. Um, GSC Tour, that's another Instagram side of ours. I, I appreciate the, the plugs, but, you know, you can, you can find us just, you know, ask Dr. Google, GSC Worldwide, and Type it in Insta or, or wherever you'll find us. I love it. I'm sure my invitation will be in that email with the agent. So, Mike, sincerely appreciate you today, man. Hey, Michael, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs>